Good morning. Um, first of all, I want to thank the Lord for the privilege to share today. Uh, I want to thank uh, Pastor Jim for the privilege to give this opportunity. I tell you, it's not easy for pastors to let go of their pulpit in the sense that, uh, let me let me explain why, in the sense that you don't know what this person is going to say, you don't know what kind of doctrine, whatever, so you don't know what you have to clean up after. So so it's it's really difficult, and, and I really appreciate, appreciate that that privilege today for, you know, the, the leadership and, and, and the pastor. So uh, my name is Biodu Faleke, uh, originally from Africa, West Africa, Nigeria. Been here for many years. I really gave my life to Christ in California. I was an exchange student in 1982, and I bless God for that privilege uh, to be working with the Lord. Well, yeah, you know, I've had challenges along the way as a Christian, but the Lord has been very faithful. So, um, uh, you know, married with children. So let, let's, let's, let's just pray. Father, we're grateful today. You know, I, I, I thank you for the privilege to share, to encourage ourselves. Uh, oftentimes, you know, we still have that butterfly in our hearts when we want to share that, that shaking thing. But Lord, you're faithful to speak through us. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for what you've been doing in this place for the word in the book of Acts. Thank you to today that you're going to speak to us and you're going to give us grace to obey. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. So today we're going to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 15. Uh, we're concluding that chapter today. Uh, so uh, we're going to uh, Acts 15. Let's, shall we stand as we read? Uh, we're going to read from uh, verse 36 to 41. Acts 15. Okay, so we can, okay, so Acts 15, let's, let's go. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brethren in every city where we have proclaimed the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now, Barnabas wanted to take with him John called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take him who has withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and has not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. That is the goal. That's the Lord's word. May we be seated, please. So today we're going to talk about uh, conflicts among Christian leaders. Uh, irreconcilable differences among believers. That's the theme today. Uh, as we, um, in the passage, there's a blowout. There's a devastating argument that, that caused two great men of God who have worked together for many years to parted ways because of their opinions. They are separate opinions. They could not agree. Uh, and, 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 uh, this caused, uh, them to, to separate. Uh, and, uh, and, and then, and then there went the end of their second missionary together. They had done the first missionary to work together, but this time around, they were about to set sail. They were about to prepare for the second missionary journey, but they had to separate. And it was Paul and Barnabas. They could not agree about John Mark. 
there was somebody that went with them on the first missionary journey. His name was Mark. But at this time, the conflict was because of him. So both Barnabas and Paul, who had walked, labored, seen as those great leaders of the church of Antioch, there was a conflict here. There was a separation. And we're going to talk about that. Why? Because Barnabas wanted to take Mark with him. But Paul said, no, I don't think it's, it's a good idea. And they couldn't reconcile their conflicts among them. And these are Christian leaders. So we see that conflicts occur, not only among, you know, little kids, but also among adults, more so among Christian leaders. So how do we, how do we handle that? You know, thank God for our brother Bruce last week Sunday. He shared about conflicts in the church. This is the conclusion about conflicts among leaders. So we started that conflict from chapter 15. Recap of what our brothers taught us last week. I went to him after the, the teaching last week and I said, I, I got something from what you taught and I, I gave him what I learned, what he shared, you know, from that conflicts among the church. So, uh, this conflict, just a summary of last week's Sunday, if you are not here, if you are watching us online, uh, our brother Bruce talked about uh, from uh, the same chapter of Acts 15, 1 to 35, conflicts in the, in the church concerning doctrine. Now, the one we're going to talk about today is conflicts of opinion, differences, different for that one that uh, brother Bruce talked about last week. So he, in the recap, he was talking about people that came from other, they came from Jerusalem or from Judea. And you know, when, when you come from Jerusalem in the book of Acts in those days, I mean, Jerusalem was what, where Christianity, you know, where it started with the, the disciples and, and, you know, the disciples, the Holy Spirit fell all in Jerusalem. When you come from Jerusalem to Antioch, where the non-Jews are, you know, they, they respect you. They want to give yes to what, what you were saying. But these people, they were Jews, they were telling them false doctrine that except you follow the law of Moses, the law of circumcision, you cannot be saved. I think that was what our brother was saying last Sunday. And that really, really didn't go well. So they had to send delegates, which also Barnabas and Paul, the same people that had conflict today, was who they sent to Jerusalem to at least check out what the Jerusalem people still believe. And it was true. What they believe was, it wasn't, those, those, that's a false doctrine. So how was the conflict, you know, as we learned from our brother last week, how was that conflict resolved? Actually, as I said, they sent the delegate to Jerusalem to find out exactly what they were taking, uh, uh, teaching in Antioch and what this false doctrine was, these false teachers were telling them. And then, they, Peter, James, all these people in Jerusalem sent words back to explain to them that salvation is by faith through grace. God saved the Gentiles the way he saved the unbel- uh, of the Jews. Also, uh, uh, the, uh, God saved the Jews and then also the same way he saved the Gentiles. Uh, and then they were able to articulate so many things. Uh, what I pointed out to our brother Bruce last week, what I learned was that as being a Jew... You know, being a Jew, you are not an advantage, you are not advantaged being a Jew for salvation. Also, you are not disadvantaged being a Gentile because you are not a Jew for salvation. Salvation is by grace, through faith, not by works. I think that's what we learned last week. So let's come back to this text today. So this text 
in uh, uh, Acts 15, 36 to the end, here we see that after many days, uh, Paul and Barnabas, you know, Paul said to Barnabas, verse 36, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of God and see how they're doing. It's a passage today we deal with disagreements, conflicts, irreconcilable differences, just like the ones tearing the world apart or our society apart today. You know, there's a joke. Someone was telling his group of friends this joke. He said, when my wife and I disagree, I always have the final word. So his friends, they were asking him. They were surprised in admiration. So, so how do you do that? He said, yes, I always have the final words. It's usually, yes, dear. <laughs> That's his final word. Whatever you say, dear, I agree. But you see, today we're going to talk about this conflict. So let's, let's break it down. That from 36 to 41, uh, 41. So verse 36, the breakdown is the first one we see apostles Paul's heart to the church or to the churches. So in verse 36, after many days, that's what Paul said. Let us return and visit the brethren in every city in every, that which we had proclaimed the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. That was a good suggestion. That was a good heart of Paul. Talking to Barnabas about what should be the next phase. You know, uh, um, this was after they had come from Jerusalem, after they had resolved the conflict of uh, the false doctrine and all that. So he wanted them to go back and check up on the young Christians, the churches that were just, uh, that had been, uh, had been formed. A trip to check back the Christians, to encourage them, to strengthen the new Christians, to attend to them, to invest in their, in those believers who, who were young in faith. That was a good suggestion from Paul to Barnabas. That would have been their second missionary journey. And now, for benefit of us who, you know, may not, you know, know who this man is, who was Paul? You see, in Acts chapter 22, we read about Paul. Paul was a, was a Jew, was born in the Roman, uh, Roman colony. He was born in Cilicia. You know, in, in Acts 22, uh, 3 to 5, we say, I, I'm a, a, a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, brought about in the city under Gamaliel, strictly according to the law of our fathers, zealous for God, just as you are today. I persecuted the way to the death, binding and putting both men and women in prison, as also the high priest and all the council of the elders can testify, for I am also received letter from the brethren and started off for Damascus in order to bring even those who there to Jerusalem as prisoners to be punished. So he was really uh, a Pharisee. He was strictly obeying the law of Moses, the Old Testament, strictly. And he was doing a good job, but yet did not know who the true God is, Jesus Christ. So Paul had a salvation encounter with God on a way to, he was going to Damascus to persecute the Christians in those days. And then he encountered the Lord Jesus Christ. That was how he became born again. As I said, he was a Pharisee. Who is a Pharisee? A Pharisee is a favorite Jewish nationalist who adhered to the law of Moses and sought to protect themselves from contamination from the Gentiles. They separated themselves. They strictly obeyed the law of Moses. You know, and, and they don't, they don't want to be contaminated by the Gentiles. I, I have that experience in Africa. You know, we have Muslims, Christians. There was a, talking about separating themselves not to be contaminated. There was a place I went to an office 
and uh, we were sitting on couches. My couch was so close to this Muslim couch. It was strict Muslim. So my couch was close to this guy in the, in, a, in the capital of Nigeria. So we were sitting. Coincidentally, my arm or my shoulder or my elbow touched his elbow. So at the corner of my eye, this Muslim took off his elbow, wiped it off, and removed his arm. That's how <laughs> some of these people are so strict, they don't want to be contaminated by anybody else. So this was the experience of, of uh, Paul in those days before he, he had an encounter with Christ. Paul was one of the most influential leaders of the early Christian church. He played a major role in spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ in the Roman Empire. Apostle Paul wrote 13 of the New Testaments. Uh, it's, and he suffered for, for the gospel's sake. One of the intriguing things about Paul, his name was changed from Saul to Paul when I was checking it out. His name is called Paul, meaning small, little. You know, I'm amazed that the way God arranges things, you know, with all the work he did, you know, the Holy Spirit, I'm sure, will keep reminding me, you're small, you're still little. Regard, you know, when you compare yourself with God, the mighty God. So that's his name. He was small. He's little. But he did mighty things in the sight of God. So Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back. Let us go and encourage those Christians. Who was Barnabas? For some of us who may not know, Barnabas also was a, a Levite from Cyprus. His name was called Joseph. But Barnabas is a surname that he was given in the book of Acts. Barnabas means son of encouragement. He was described as a good man full of the Holy Spirit, full of faith. He brought many to the Lord. Actually, in Acts chapter 4, we, we see Barnabas in the early Christians. The Bible talks about how he sold the land and brought the money to the foot of the disciples. So we see the track record of this man called Barnabas, who was a team made with Paul on the missionary journey. Actually, it was Barnabas when Paul first gave his life to Christ, people were running away from Paul. They didn't believe him. He was even trying to preach the gospel. People were scared. This guy that was going, taking a letter to Damascus, on the road to Damascus to have Christians killed, Christians in prison. He now said he is preaching who? So people were scared of this man. It was Barnabas that went to bring Paul and introduce him to the Christian. I said, this man is genuine. His faith is genuine. It's true. So we see this is the same person who they were now teaming together to be involved in ministry, in church plant, in their first missionary journey. Now, let's talk about things about nickname. Barnabas was called son of encouragement. You know, I see very fascinating in the, in the New Testament, some names, some nicknames that, you know, that comes up, uh, uh, it's not his real name. As I say, his name is Joseph. You know, let's see examples of other names in the New Testament. Uh, you know, like somebody like John the Baptist. You will not believe that his name, his, his surname is not Baptist. He should have been John Zechariah. But they nicknamed him John the Baptist because he was baptizing people. He was doing the Lord's work. So they tag him that name, John the Baptist. So his name is really not that's not his real name, John the Baptist. But these are nicknames we see in the New Testament that is very interesting. Also, there's a guy called Philip. 
Philip in the New Testament, uh, in Acts chapter 21. You know, it's amazing. They call him Philip the Evangel. That's not his surname. But he was an evangelist. He was always preaching the gospel. He was bringing people to Christ. So it was nicknamed Philip the Evangel. You can see that in Acts 21 verse 7 to 9. You know, it's, it's important about some of these nicknames. And I want to give you the last nickname that Jesus nicknamed two disciples, James and John. You know what he nicknamed them? He nicknamed them sons of thunder. <laughs> That's Mark chapter 3 verse 16. He said, he said, you know, let's, if you read that, he said, these were among the 12 disciples Jesus chose. Simon to whom he gave the name Peter, James son of Zebedee, and his brother John, to them he gave the name Boenages, the sons of thunder. Now, it's interesting. Those were the two. When Jesus was trying to preach in a place and they were refusing Jesus, those were the two that said, shall we call fire to come and strike these people? Jesus shook his head and said, you don't know the power you're made up of. No, we're not going to call fire to strike these people down. Let, let, let's just leave them alone. So, And they're nicknamed the sons of thunder. Interesting. But let's come back to our text about that, the first verse of 36. So we see the heart of, of Paul. After some days, 36, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brethren in every city in which we have proclaimed the gospel, the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas agreed with Paul's, with Apostle Paul to go back to strengthen the brethren. Apostle Paul was genuinely concerned for the churches and the brethren, uh, 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 God had used them uh, to bring to Christ the non-Jews in various places. You know, churches planted, new converts, elders ordained. That's chapter 13 and also 14. So we see Apostle Paul's affection, his concern, his love for, ch- for young churches, the new converts. Paul cared for those Christians, the churches, they planted to visit and look after them to be sure if they were continuing in faith, if they are growing in grace and, and the knowledge of Christ. You know, there are many scriptures that, that you see the Paul's heart to the churches, to those young Christians and to people of God. And also, uh, uh, just because of time in, in Philippians chapter one, verse three and six, this was Paul talking. He said, I thank my God all uh, in all remembrance of you always offering prayer for you uh, with joy in my every prayer of you for you all in view of your participation in the gospel from the first year until now for I am confident in this very thing that he who began a good work in you will have, will perfect it until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ the Bible also you know is filled with places where Paul writes to the churches many of the the books in the New Testament were letters of Paul to the churches to find out how they're doing. The book of Corinthians, to, uh, uh, Colossians, Philippians, you know, Galatians, all these churches. He will write, he will want to visit them and encourage them. This is a good thing we see in the life of Paul, Apostle Paul, and the early apostles. The society we live in today is an individualistic society. We're isolated from each other. Christianity is a community. Christianity is a community. Church is not a building, but the garden of people, of God's people. The Bible says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in their midst. We do not go to church. We are the church. When we gather, there is the church and the body of Christ. See, other passages encouraged us 
to be concerned for our brothers and sisters, Christians, to have a heart to touch lives. It is one thing, the Bible encourages us to preach the gospel. It is another thing to encourage one another, to challenge one another, to look after one another in the faith. We see, Jesus said that in, in Acts in John 13, verse 35, by this shall all men know you are my disciple if you love one another. Also, first John, verse chapter 4, 7 and 8, beloved, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love God does not know God for God is love. Now, Hebrews written by Paul also says it clearly in the book of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. He says, and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Here is Paul encouraging us that we should stimulate, encourage one another in, in what? In love and good deeds. That's part of what Paul, the heart of Paul, let us go back. And check up on all those Christians. You see, we live in an isolated society. But God encourages us to be one another's keepers. I am my brother's keeper. You are my keeper. You should be able to ask me, how are you doing? How's your Christian work? How's your faith going? Any, how are your, any challenges you're facing? What's going on with you? You know, it's, it's not, it's not out of place for us to be mindful, to be caring for one another. And that was the heart of Paul. Question is, what idea do you have to impact fellow Christians? It's a challenge to you and I. What ideas, just like Paul, are we concerned for our fellow Christians? Are we mindful of one another? Are we able to challenge or stimulate others in this Christian work? Because it gets discouraging sometimes. This Christian work gets discouraging sometimes. Are you allowing God to use you among ourselves? You know, we thank God. Just like Paul, if you have ideas, ideas to encourage the brethren, to move this ministry or the church forward, you know, please, you can see Pastor Jim, you can see Pastor Eben, you can see the elders, you know, you know, our brother Bill, our brother Greg, pass on your ideas. Let's challenge ourselves. Let's see how God will use us among ourselves. That's the first one. The second one is, the second, the second theme is this, the source of the conflict. So there was a conflict. Paul said, let's go and visit. Something happened after that. The source of conflict is in 35, 37 and 38, those two verses. Now, Barnabas was determined to take with him John called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Now, this is where the source of conflict started. It was a good idea to go back. They all agreed to do that. But there was a conflict here. Barnabas told Paul, let's take John Mark with us. He was with us before. He went with us on that missionary journey. Well, Paul said, no, we're not going to take Mark. That guy, he ran away. He left us. He abandoned the work. He absconded at the middle of the work. Why should we tell? He went back to Jerusalem. He left us on the first missionary journey. Why should we take him along? So this was the conflict that started among two leaders. So Barnabas wanted to take John Mark along with him also. Barnabas proposed with himself. Barnabas was willing to take John Mark for the, for the journey. He had a, a desire to take along 
this guy. So let's talk about that. Who is John Mark? Who was John Mark? You see, John Mark is connected to Barnabas in this way. John Mark was, Barnabas was, John Mark was Barnabas' cousin. Or Barnabas was John Mark's cousin. Where are you? Yeah. Anyway, Barnabas was, Mark was the son of Barnabas' sister. So they are cousin. It's a cousin to, uh, to Barnabas. So, and, it, and you can see that in Colossians chapter 10. So, uh, Mark was one of, not one of the 12 disciples, but he wrote the gospel of Mark. This same guy wrote the gospel of Mark. So, um, verse 38, Paul is kept insisting that they should not take him along because he had decided them in Pamphylia and he had gone, not gone with them the work. So, what happened in Pamphylia? We see that in the book of Acts chapter 13, verse 13. It says, now Paul and his companion put out to sea from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia, but John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. That was the first missionary journey. So why did John Mark leave Paul and Barnabas on the missionary trip? Why did he leave and went back to Jerusalem? Well, Paul, well, the Bible did not tell us why. We can only speculate. Paul may have thought uh, John Mark was unfit due to his deserting them and not proper and, and not the proper person to go with them. The reasons were not told. We could speculate. Could it be due to fatigue or difficulty on the journey? Could it be weariness of the work? Persecution they faced? Could it be home, he was homesick? Maybe because of his mother? Could it be personal reasons? Uh, you know, also Mark was very young. He was a very young man. So we, we don't know. It could be youthful enthusiasm or youthful exuberance, whatever that is. So, so, and, and then, and, and then the conflict, that was the conflict. So what's the result of that conflict? The result of the conflict is 39 and, and to 41. And there, and there occurs such a sharp disagreement that they separated from each other. And Barnabas took Mark with him. He sailed away to Cyprus, and then Paul took Silas, and he went somewhere else. We are dealing with people who should know better. These are serious, high-caliber Christian leaders of the faith, especially in the church of Antioch. Paul and Barnabas had been working together for a long time, and had gone on the first missionary journey. God used them highly in the midst of persecution and toil. Why did Paul and Barnabas part ways here in this passage? Was it the right thing to do? Well, the contention was so sharp between them. Barnabas insists on taking uh, John Mark, being a cousin, a cousin sister's son. Barnabas did not think that John, uh, Barnabas did not think that John deserted them during the first missionary journey was a big deal. He was saying, well, it's not a big deal. He left, okay, let's, let's give him a second chance. Paul said, no, we're not going to do that. Paul did, so they did not see eye to eye. They were irritated, provoked by one another. This made them to separate, to part ways. They could not resolve this conflict, or conflict of opinion. Barnabas did not want to give up Mark and wanted to give him a second chance. So let's apply this. Let's talk about this. Christians may have to come to conflict with one another or fellow Christian. There's nothing wrong in conflict. Conflict will actually happen because we're humans. There's, we cannot wish away, pray away conflicts. It will happen. 
Friends may come to conflict with friends. Husband may come to conflict with us wives. And may come to a situation of a sharp disagreement. Conflicts, you know, especially in marriages. You know, who leaves the toilet up, sit up or down. You know, conflicts where you, you know, where you press the toothpaste. The husband may be pressing the toothpaste from the bottom. The wife may be pressing the toothpaste from the top. I, you know, it's, you know, where you drop your clothes. I mean, there's so much going on. I, I have a, I have a problem in my home. I, I don't, when I shower, I don't draw back the curtain. My wife keeps reminding me. Why do you, when you, when you after shower, pull back the curtain because of, you know, it will mold or whatever that is. So I, I, I you know. <laughs> conflicts about when you pack to go on vacation, you know, I'm a very laid back guy. I pack. Maybe the day we're going to leave or hours before we leave. My poor wife, she will pack the weeks before. Maybe a week before. Well, you know what? Even if I pack that day, I, I, I still see the same. But I'm just talking about where to put your shoes. You know, conflicts. My poor wife, you know, she folds her pajamas. Every, even today, she folds her pajamas every day. My pajamas is either on the floor <laughs> or on my side of the bed. So what I'm trying to say is that there will always be conflict. But, you so, know, but you know, this is the thing, you know, uh, a situation where we do not want to think about this happened between uh, Paul and Barnabas. As troubling as this is, God's word would never gloss over mistakes of his people. Their flaws, their weaknesses, their failures, all are written in the Bible. Can you imagine that? How will have taught maybe some mistakes of Christian, of some Christian leaders or great men of God in the Bible that the Bible will not talk about that. The Bible reveals all their flaws and mistakes. The heroes of the Bible are not people who do not make mistakes. Their failures and mistakes are written. Their faults, their failures are written in the Bible. When people find out about our failures, it's 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 bad enough. Talk less of people reading about our, those failures in the people, the people, those great men of God in the Bible. Many Christians un- underestimate what evils they are take- capable of doing without God helping them in situations. We can all relate to this. We are all sinners saved by grace, trusting God every day to sustain us in our journey. Many put pastors and men of God or Christian leaders on a high pedestal as if they cannot make mistakes. They are subject to failings, mistakes like you and I. That's the problem we face. And many of us, just because we see some men of God make mistakes, having come or resolve issues, maybe we say, okay, I'm out of here. I don't want to be a Christian anymore. I'm out of this church. But you know what? That shouldn't be our conclusion because they are humans like us. It's what we do with conflict that matters. And now, let me give you examples in the Bible. The example, the Bible does not close or cover off the mistakes of his people. Galatians chapter 2, we're not going to turn to it because of time. Verse 11 to 16, Paul was talking about Peter, Peter. In the book of Galatians, that I withstood him to the faith. Face that when Peter came to the Gentiles, he refused to eat with them. And I came to call Peter. Peter, why are you doing this? You are a Jew. We're not saved by, by obeying Jewish law. Why do you do that? Paul had to confront Peter. And Peter said, you're right. 
you're right. I'm wrong. That shouldn't be. So, what are we saying? The question is, who was right and who was wrong? They were both, they were right in what they were saying, but they were both wrong in their conclusion. They have, the conflict should not have caused their separation. The sharp argument they had. He shouldn't have done that. In verse 40, Paul, Paul chose Silas and left being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he was traveling through Sicilia and all that. And then Barnabas took Mark and they parted ways. So, so when believers are in conflict or disagreement, what should we do? First of all, we said disagreement will happen among us. We will have different opinions. It will happen among friends, couples, Christian, workers, whatever. It will happen. It is how conflicts are resolved is the key, not if conflicts will occur. Number three, we are never going to agree on end, on everything. Hymns, some people may say, well, I think the church should be singing more hymns, more than uh, the contemporary chorus. Some people say, well, I think the music is too loud. Some, yeah, the music is too slow. Well, the light should be dimmed when the worship is going on. There should be candle. Yeah, there will be so many, you know, Whatever opinions are, number four, check your attitude and your heart with the word of God. When any conflict happens, let's check ourselves. What is that? Check your heart and attitude. Do nothing without with selfish ambition. That's Philippians 2, verse 3 and 4. Or vain conceit, rather in humility, value each other above yourselves. Then number five, understand the issue of disagreement or conflict. Understand it. When you have conflict, understand it in this way. Is this, as our brother Bruce preached the last week, is it a doctrinal or salvation issue? When I'm in conflict with you or a leadership, is it a salvation issue? Will this, is it, a, is it a salvation issue? Is it a doctrinal issue? It is not. In this one, it is, it was not. Number two, is it a legal issue? Will this make me to do things illegal in this conflict we're facing? If I, if I, if I, okay, so I, I, okay, I'll do it your way. Is this a legal issue? Number three, is it a moral or immoral issue? These are the things we have to talk about in conflict. If it is not immoral, if it is not moral, if it's, if it's just a matter of opinion, then we can bend. We can, you know, just for the sake of Christ. Then number, another one is we seek forgiveness when you are at fault. Let's seek forgiveness. Then let's talk about the issue. Whenever a conflict is occurring, it's good, good, it's good to go to the source. Ask questions. So w- what is this about? What, don't rely on rumors. Don't, don't because of that leave the congregation. Let's, let's ask questions. So what happened? Why? See, I, I want to quote this one. Harmony requires you singing different notes. We need all your different voices to make music, good music. We need to make it together to make a beautiful sound. That's harmony. So in conclusion today, we see one thing. The first one is Paul. uh, uh, In conclusion, Paul and Barnabas did not drag the church in Antioch into the disputes they were having with each other. They did not turn their sharp disagreement into a drama for the Antioch church to sort out, the problem remained between themselves maturely. That was something that I was so fascinated with. 
because they did not let the church know. The church did not break because of that. It was between both of them maturely. It was sorted out. So that's one thing I learned. And number two, Barnabas and Paul did not agree. They parted ways to hold human appearances or appearance. It was a failure of Christian leadership. Not able to work together in God's work and be in agreement. They separated. Paul took Silas and went to Syria and Cilicia. Barnabas took John Mark and left to Cyprus. Though they separated, both groups were able to cover many grounds separately. Can you imagine that? Even in the midst of their failures, their disagreement, God is still working. God still work. There were two separate teams that went instead of one. And they achieved more in what they were doing than they would have been together. We see the handwork of God in all this. The Bible is very clear. And we know that God makes all things to work together for good. Even in our failures, he makes all things to work for good. In conclusion, later in future, the issue got resolved. Paul and, Paul and Mark reconciled. In the book of Timothy, Paul was talking to the, to, to, to look in our, in second Timothy 4 verse 11. He said, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you. He is useful for me for ministry. You see what happened in future? They reconciled. Paul saw Mark as a useful tool and they still came together. Bring him. I need him. He's useful for me. So the matter got resolved and everything got, the Lord took all the glory. So we see that as Christians, there will be conflicts, but the way we answer the conflict is what matters. Let's allow God to do it and have his way and God will help all of us. Shall we pray, please? Father, we are grateful this morning in the little we could do, these four, five verses. We thank you for showing us about conflicts and how even those early leaders, they, they made mistakes. They couldn't reconcile, but in, through it all, you, you proved yourself faithful. You brought them together. In future, you, you, you were able to walk through them in the midst of their disagreements and conflicts. Father, we look to you, Lord. Help our hearts. Help us to cooperate with you. If there's any way we are harboring misunderstanding, conflicts, anger, resentment among ourselves, Lord, give us grace to just forbear, to look to you, to walk together, to use us to walk your work. We bless you for today. In Jesus' name we are prayed. Amen.